0: Yeah. my dear listeners to Voices of the Sacred Feminine where myself and my guests uh, we uh, believe here we speak truth to to patriarchal power, to predator capitalism, and uh, have the courage to propose a new normal in society, to work toward manifesting that new normal in a world so that the 99% have a better quality of life. Because there is an alternative to the patriarchal order, though they'd prefer you not know it. It hasn't always been this way, and, you know, even if it was, it doesn't have to continue as it is. There is an alternative to predator capitalism that exploits workers, the environment, and humanity across the globe. We can have a world where women are equal and 70% of us don't continue to retire in poverty or continue to be punished for the male dogma of Eve's sin. The alternative is uh, what some of us call liberation theology of the sacred feminine, as I've written about in one of my books, God is Calling. And uh tonight I want to thank you for being with me. Uh and uh I also want to say thanks to Zingaya, the artist, uh whose music opened up the show. Uh we were listening to just a little snippet of her cut called Veil of Inanna, and uh seems uh, an appropriate metaphor because uh tonight we are going to part the veil, if you will, uh because we're going to be talking about the truth agenda. Uh, Unexplained Mysteries and Global Cover-Ups with uh, Andy Thomas. And uh, that might seem kind of a departure from um, what we usually talk about here on the show, but is it really? Um, How many of you have perhaps picked up and read Howard Zinn's uh, book about the alternative history of the United States, not written by the rich and the powerful and the conquerors, but uh, written by the underclasses? Or uh, maybe you're a fan of uh, America Unearthed or Ancient Aliens uh, that's so popular in television these days here in the States. Uh, Alternative (coughs) histories are something that uh, uh, is is a really hot-button topic. You know, uh, it's everywhere when you think about it. Uh, Alternative histories, um, challenging, what is truth? You know, truth is really sort of in the eye of the beholder, for instance, you go down to Texas and you go to the library uh, built for George Bush, uh, they're going to tell you a whole different viewpoint on the Iraq war than I think uh, most people actually believe. Um, Or take ISIS or ISIL uh, out there today. How many believe maybe the military-industrial complex or really the people uh, instigating and funding uh, ISIL? 9-11 conspiracies abound. You know, if we follow the money, who gets rich? And I guess I'll sort of close this introductory to tonight's show about what's truth by saying, you know, if you're a goddess advocate, if, uh, you know, you uh, have discovered the feminine face of God across continents and cultures, do you remember when you didn't know about it? Because... You know, who's uh, who? In whose best interest was it that you didn't know about a feminine face of God? So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight: the truth agenda, uh, unexplained mysteries, and global cover-ups. So I hope that sort of set the tone for you. Uh, but two brief announcements, and uh, before I start my chat uh, with with Andy, kind of an important thing happened here. Uh, in California on the West Coast in the last few days. Uh, there's been another horrendous oil spill, uh, this time off the coast of Santa Barbara. And uh, this I, I'm going to just read this directly from the email that came across because I'm encouraging you to sign a petition. Um, it goes like this. The, dr- the dolphins are drowning in oil is the subject. And this person says, "Uh, I live on the California coast, and I'm crying as I write this. Last week, a massive oil pipeline burst off Santa Barbara, and now thousands of dolphins, sea lions, and pelicans are drowning in slick rivers of oil. But my rage and sadness is also hope because I know together we can make sure this never happens again. While our, our rocky shores are awash in oil and dead fish, plains, All-American CEO Greg Armstrong raked in over $50 million in compensation last year and is guaranteed $29 to $87 million in, in a golden parachute in cash. These guys broke the law to make a quick buck. But if we hold them accountable, we can prevent another catastrophe by putting oil company executives everywhere on notice that they can't get away with these kinds of shady games on our watch. So please, tell California Attorney General Kamala Harris and local district attorney Joyce Dudley to file civil and criminal charges against Plains All-American and its shady CEOs. Now, if you don't know how to do this, uh, you can go to the Karen Tate Facebook page and very near the top, if you're listening to the show live, uh, is a link. Just click there And uh, you can sign the petition. You know, remember BP, Um, what happened in the Gulf not that long ago, right after President Obama came on his watch? Well, I'm from the southern United States. I know the Gulf of Mexico very well. And you don't hear it in the news. You just hear these slick commercials from BP uh, making it sound like they've, They've taken care of it. They're responsible. They're accountable. Well, let me tell you, there are dead zones in the Gulf. The fishing industry has been destroyed. Habitats are destroyed. They don't want you to know. They don't want you to know the truth about just how bad this all is. And now they want to put a pipeline down the middle of the United States. We have to fight back, people, and this is just one small way. Please go to my Facebook page, sign the petition uh, urging California Attorney General Kamala Harris to file criminal charges uh, against these folks. They can't keep getting away with this. People have to be held personally accountable. Otherwise, all they're going to do is just keep getting rich while the earth is raped and fracked and we all suffer. And if you can't find it on my Facebook page, because maybe you're hearing this a few days from now or a few weeks from now, go to the, um, the petition site A V A A Z. That's A-V-A-A-Z. And just look up Santa Barbara Oil Spill, and uh, you'll be able to sign the petition. Please sign it. Please share it. Um, we can't be apathetic. Um, we really have to be proactive if uh, we want to fight these guys. And sort of along the same lines, uh, something a little bit more positive, um, many contemporary pagans you know, feel a sense of spiritual connection with the earth and try to actively cultivate a harmonious relationship with the non-human natural world. And in this time of accelerating environmental change, uh, many pagans feel a sense of urgency to help transform humanity's relationship with the earth. And this sense of urgency is what drew together a large and diverse group of environmentalists, pagan writers, artists, scholars, um, uh, you know, folks who care about the environment to draft. A Pagan Community Statement on the Environment. The statement was published at ecopagan.com, ecopagan.com, on Earth Day. And thousands of uh, people who care about the Earth, thousands of pagans from all over the world have already signed uh, the statement. They hope to collect at least... 10,000 signatures by June 22nd, which is uh, the summer solstice in some parts of the world, when the Pope's environmental statement is anticipated. So please go to ecopagan.com. Go there and sign. And please, like with the other petition, share it around. Share it around. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let's get back to tonight's show and uh, our guest, uh, Andy Thomas. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, and then we're going to start our chat. Uh, Andy is one of the world's leading authors and lecturers on unexplained mysteries and global cover-ups. He's written many books, including The Truth Agenda, just published uh, in a U.S. edition. Conspiracies uh, and The Crop Circle Guide, Vital Signs, were also uh, two other of his books, and I believe Vital Signs was nominated uh, for Kindred Spirit Magazine's Best Book Award. Andy lectures in many different countries, and he's made numerous radio and television appearances around the world, including programs for the BBC, NBC, the History Channel, uh, National National Geographic Channel, and he regularly writes for Nexus Magazine. Uh, His website uh, is truthagenda.org. Well, Andy, welcome, welcome to the show.
1: It's really nice to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, um, I want to thank you for taking the time out because uh, if I recall, I don't think you're here in the United States. Is that is that in fact true? I think uh, you're in another uh, time zone and you're talking to us in the middle of the night. Is that it?
1: <laughs> I am, yeah. I'm here in England and uh, it's currently 2 a.m. in the morning now, So, uh, but it's fine. Nice to be here.
0: Uh, well, you're a trooper. Thank you. We really do appreciate uh, you being with us. And um, you know, you heard uh, you know you heard my show opening. Um, I'm wondering what uh, drew you to uh, write this book, The Truth Agenda. I mean, did you just get fed up with uh, everything, and uh, you know, started to delve into uh, you know pet projects or something? I mean, uh, how how did this book uh, originate?
1: Well, I've been involved for many years with investigating various unexplained mysteries. And it started out for me with looking at things like, you know, UFOs and crop circles. Uh, And what you realize very quickly is that, you know, we are not told the truth. Now, that seems obvious, but when you're starting out, Uh, you know you kind of hope that everything will get the fair hearing and i realized very quickly as i started to investigate and you know giving lectures and trying to tell people about it that the mainstream media didn't want to know and that there was absolutely a blackout on certain subjects they just weren't going to get the coverage Of course, when you start to explore things like that, you you very quickly realise that there's lots of other subjects that are not being discussed, and it just becomes obvious that information is being withheld. So I started to explore other things, and then investigating, you know, various, as some people would call them, conspiracy theories or or truth issues, as perhaps we should say, Uh, and you then realize there are so many things that are linked together and that trying to pull the threads together on them is so important so that people get a a wider overview of what's going on in the world. So I started to give talks about that and it became clear to me that a lot of people didn't know where to begin, even people who were seeing that they needed to know more about the real world around them they were not always quite sure what to read first or where to get enough information to start. So I began to work on the truth agenda and to try to give a book that not only gives you all the different components, but also gives you enough power, and this is really important at the end of the book, to be able to go out there and do something positive about it. So it not only discusses unexplained mysteries, but it looks at some of the the classic truth issue areas, things like nine eleven, which you mentioned earlier on and then looks at consciousness, research, and the power of positive action, because we all have a lot of power at our fingertips to be able to create positive change. So I was very pleased to be given you know, the opportunity to get the truth agenda out there. And now the American edition's out uh, through Adventures Unlimited Press. Well, that's great, because it's going to help get that word out there uh, even wider. <laughs>
0: So um, I I wonder if you have a sense of, uh, are people less likely today to trust authority than they've ever been? uh, Or does it maybe just seem that way with the internet? You know, is there any way to get a pulse on that? I mean, you know, we always talk about, uh, you know, the institutions are crumbling, you know, there's more transparency now. And, uh, we, you know, they can't lie to us quite so easily. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, has it, or has it always been this bad, and it's just now suddenly being uncovered?
1: I think that you can trace some of the, the, you know. No trust in authority. Back, I think, to Watergate. It's an interesting thing because, obviously, uh, and in the States, this was uh, far bigger than it is here in England, but it did have a global effect where suddenly people's faith, which had already been a little bit shaken by what happened to Kennedy it suddenly dawned on people that maybe they weren't always told the truth. And you see a lot of doubts there. I mean, it's interesting, following Watergate, you begin to get more people, for instance, questioning the moon landings, things like this that you would never have questioned before. And what happens is that builds up, and it builds up, until then, of course, the Internet arrives. And all of a sudden, yes, I mean, you've got the ability to have conversations that you couldn't really have before. And right. that absolutely has been, it's been a dream and a nightmare at the same time. But it's enabled people finally to spread information that before, you know, it would have been harder to get. But equally, that's why the authorities are now trying to find ways to curtail the Internet. And we definitely need to use this tool while we've got it because the freedom of the Internet absolutely is under threat today, sadly.
0: You know, I I uh, think about my uh, my mother's husband, who uh, if he were still alive, he would probably be in his seventies right now, and uh, it would just shake him to the core. Uh, if you talked about, you know, government conspiracies, I mean, you know, he was from that generation that, you know, went off to World War II, and, you know, they were the generation that saved the world, and, you know, the United States and its allies were, you know, they, uh, you know, saved us from, you know, the monster Hitler, and, you know, all of his cronies, and Uh, But you're right, you know, um, then the 60s come along, you know, you have Kennedy's assassination, you have Watergate, you have Martin Luther King killed, you have the other, um, you know, the other Kennedy brother killed. And, um, you know, do you think those things that happened in the United States um, shook other parts of the world as well as it maybe shook us to the core and woke us up?
1: Yes, I certainly think that they did. I mean, it's an interesting thing. Obviously, it impacted more on the states than it did other countries, but it made a lot of people think, well, maybe we're not being told the whole truth here. And certainly then when other bigger events occur... Uh, And I mean, over here, of course, we had in 1997, the death of Princess Diana. Suddenly, it doesn't seem so strange to be wondering if we've been told the truth. And I mean, around 90% of British people, if you look at the polls, believe that Diana was murdered, for instance. Now, even though the inquests say that it was just an accident, there was a drunk driver, that is not what people believe in their hearts of hearts. And then when you start to get things like 9-11 it's no longer such a leap to think, hang on a minute, this isn't making sense. Maybe we yeah. are being lied to. And, and that's it. It gets bigger and bigger. And then where do you draw the line? But because the authorities very clearly don't tell us the truth about things, in the end, we doubt everything. And that is very much where we are at today. But I'm afraid the authorities have only got themselves to blame.
0: Right, right. Well, and I agree with you. I mean, I think probably a lot of Americans, myself included, I think uh, a Lady Di's death was mysterious. You know, you had all of that talk about the royal family not wanting her to marry a, you know, a Muslim man, and uh, you know all of that. And I don't, I don't know whether that was behind it, but there was always that uh, uncomfortable. You know, I, I think you know Diana. You know, maybe made things uncomfortable for the royal family. Um, but then you get these crazy, you know, these crazy theories that really sort of maybe diminish. Uh, people like yourself who um, you know who are trying to shed light on the truth, like for instance, when you get these sorts of theories like the royal family are really you know reptilian or something you know i, I mean i mean i 'm a conspiracy theorist, but you know so I, I can only go so far, and I guess I start to wonder, is that sort of the same sort of propaganda? Um, that we have with UFOs when, um, you know, you try to make, you know, people who think outside of the box, um, you know, you sort of demonize them and marginalize them and, and, uh, you know, make other people feel foolish if you listen.
1: Well, uh, yes, I I think certainly the authorities do spread misinformation. And they're quite frank about it. I mean, uh, Obama indeed, has employed Cass Sunstein, who's one of the classic sceptics, to deliberately find ways in which they concede false stories, which then, of course, muddy the waters for everybody else. And as you say, it brings everything down by association. Knowing for sure which are the bad stories and which are not, of course, comes down to where you stand. I mean, of course, those who believe in the reptilian agenda, as they would call it, I would say certainly there are myths and legends around the world, and I mean there are of beings from the stars who came down and interbred with mankind and seeded a bloodline. Now, I mean, they could point to certain stories being there. Whether that equates to the royal family actually being aliens is, of course, another matter. But then you get uh, theories, you know, one of the theories that I think is quite interesting at the moment is that whenever something big occurs, and usually something terrible like a massacre there will now always be people who will say, oh, it wasn't real. They were all actors and this Mm -hmm. didn't actually happen. And the problem there is that some of these events are going to need a lot of actors and it would be a, a very risky thing for any government or any shadowy organization to try to do that. And some people increasingly thinking that those stories are the ones that are deliberately being seeded to actually bring, you know, the whole of conspiracy theory into disrepute. But the, the bottom line is it always has to be about evidence. I mean, you can have any theory you want, but you must have evidence, and you have to use a certain level of discernment and see what sort of feels right to you. Uh, And that's where things like 9-11, of course, you then find there are too many anomalies. The evidence is huge that we've not been told the truth, and that is therefore a, a very legitimate area for new investigation so it it does come down to evidence, and we should always remember that we can believe what we want, but you do need evidence to be able to present your case
0: right. Well, yeah, I had a gentleman on the show he was an engineer, and uh you know spoke in detail in in way in ways that you know laymen uh you know who people who weren't engineers could understand about you know how the how the towers fell, and um you know I, I just that one in particular i mean i'm a believer that um you know that that was some sort of a conspiracy, and again, you know I think about follow the money who benefited you know from from this you know so much of the stuff that um uh, you know, was brought out. Uh, I mean, when you saw the towers fall, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the video when the hotels in Las Vegas, the old hotels, would be demolished, but they would set the, you know, have the, you know, the explosives um, strategically placed around the old building, and you know, they would hit the. Bus. And, and the way it would collapse, but you know the way you saw some of the the build, you know the the twin towers fall. It looked so much like that. Uh, I mean, just that. I mean, it's like, are you going to believe your lying eyes? Um, you know, and, and then of course, you know, there are people like the many engineers, and then there's the Building Seven conspiracy and. Um so, I guess you know how do, where do you want to go with this andy i mean um i'm I'm thinking you know uh what do you think maybe are some of the biggest conspiracies that um you know that that uh the powers that be shall we call them uh or trying to uh dupe us with?
1: Well, I I mean, I I think that the New World Order Project, as of course it's well known, is something which is real and you can trace its origins back. Uh, And I mean, it it pretty much kicks off in the, uh, the sort of days of around the early 1900s where the British Empire is beginning to lose its power. And of course, America is gaining power. And you can trace letters back from people saying to each other across the Atlantic, listen, you know, let's get together, let's run the world, let's police the world with our navies. And then you get people like H.G. Wells and Bertrand Russell writing very openly about the need to create a new world order where you're putting a lot of power into very few hands. And they saw this as a good thing. They saw this as a good way to run the world. But you need to then manipulate events to make this happen. And then you begin to see patterns of certain things where you sometimes need atrocities. You need big things to create fear because if you can create fear in the populations, you can then easily control them because people then beg to have solutions. And mm-hmm. so people are very easily fooled into believing there is an enemy out to get them. And so that's why many people believe that things like 9-11 are not just 9-11, but that things like this might be, if not entirely created, certainly helped along, because then you can get the mandate for everything that followed 9-11. I mean, we've had massive withdrawals of freedom because of what happened. We've had wars in the Middle East, which are still playing out now, as you mentioned earlier on, with Islamic State, and many people think that these are all deliberate stages and a destabilization program, that somehow we will, this is perhaps the, the idea, make the Middle East, for instance, more controllable by the West by weakening them and allowing them to kind of turn inwards on each other. But to get that kind of line of dominoes to fall, you have to have some big event. And nine eleven absolutely was used to scare the world into giving away its control. And as you said, I mean, you can go through so many anomalies, from things which contravene the laws of physics to air traffic control transcripts, which have clearly been edited, to, you know, things that just don't make sense, like how do you get a Boeing 757 through a hole, which is basically no more than 20 feet across. You know, the more you add them up, the more you realize something was very wrong with that. But you can observe that in many other happenings as well, not least the invasion of Iraq in 2003, where we were told there were weapons of mass destruction and that's why we had to invade with america and england and other allies and then of course nobody really believed that they were there that's why we had all those demonstrations on the streets and sure enough they get there and they're not there and that seemed again like a very good way to rule us by fear but they got what they wanted and i think that this goes on a lot
0: yeah, well, you know, um, I, I honestly, I think Americans. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of Americans are, are pretty blind when it comes to a lot of this stuff. You know, we have that twenty-five or thirty percent of die-hard Republicans who um, just, just simply believe anything, and I don't know if they believe all of this uh, junk that uh, you know is put out by the Republican Party because um you know they're they're because they're afraid uh, meaning that wouldn't it be scarier uh i mean it's easier to blame uh you know muslims than it is to think that your government could be so wicked that they would you know perpetrate this um you know you know this this horrendous event uh, you know for money and power and control um, but you know, I, I guess what I'm, I'm saying is, I think it's hard for some people to, um, like like my you know my mother's husband. You know, it's hard for some people to imagine that something like that could actually be afoot. I mean, that's scarier than than the events that maybe are put in, that are you know put in place.
1: Well, I think it is a frightening thing to imagine that the people who you hope might look after you might actually be more than willing to sacrifice you. And, I mean, we should be, I think, clear here that when sort of people say that 9-11, for instance, might have been helped or engineered, it doesn't necessarily mean the whole government was involved with that. We're talking about rogue elements here, working for their own agendas and whatever secret organizations they're part of. And, you know, that's the thing. You wouldn't necessarily need a lot of people involved to pull this off. But I think what we do culturally, both you know here in England and over there in America, is we don't want to believe that we are living in such a world, so we just try not to think about it. I mean, I give a lot of lectures to mainstream groups, and the Truth Agenda book has gone out there and reached a lot of people that wouldn't normally read this kind of stuff. And what I found really interesting is that people have come back and said, well, you know, now you say it, when you point out those facts so clearly It seems obvious, and I've always thought it really. I always knew there was something wrong about 9-11 or whatever it may be, but I didn't feel that I could voice it. And I think also people have been trained to not say anything because they fear ridicule. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people have been very carefully conditioned to laugh at anybody with an unusual belief. But that's something we have to change because the more people who stand up and are willing to say this is the truth of this and we need to talk about it, the less people will be laughed at and that ploy will not be able to work anymore.
0: Right. So, Andy, what's your background that, um, you know, that gave you the ability to... To do this investigation?
1: Well, I mean, it's very much a a personal passion. As I said, I started. Uh really, in this kind of world, with investigating things like crop circles, and this was twenty five years ago now uh, I mean I had you know worked in various areas and I was working in public relations and uh and publishing now. But you know in all of that, I knew through my own experience you know how stories reach the press, and I also knew how truth can get at on and changed just for the sake of a good story and you know, the more I became involved with meeting people who were investigating all aspects of uh, just truth, the more I very quickly realised that we needed to get more people talking about it. And I mean, you mentioned earlier on that I'm uh, a writer for Nexus magazine. Now that's available around the world. Its uh, its main office is in Australia, but I became involved with a researcher called Marcus Allen. Now he is one of the the best known. Uh, certainly British researchers, who believes that the, you know, the truth of the moon landings has not been told. And I, like many people, was initially skeptical of that. I thought, I can't believe that that could have been a fraud. But the more I spoke with him, the more I became aware of his research and others, and of course there's many others, um, the more I realized, actually, that is also being misrepresented. And you see, that's a big one, because the moon landings were held up at the time as one of mankind's great achievements and especially with the vietnam war going on and then you know towards the end of the moon landings we started to get things like watergate and that you know the moon landings were held up as yes but this is what we can do that is positive and Mm -hmm. people do not like to question that because again it makes them feel unsafe it makes them feel that if if something as basic as landing on the moon didn't happen, well, what else didn't happen? And this is why, in the Truth Agenda book, I do spend quite a lot of time looking at that issue of the moon landings. Could they have been misrepresented? And at the end of the day, people must make up their own minds about the ultimate truth, but you can certainly show there are a lot of anomalies in the evidence record, and you can show absolutely that we need to again, reinvestigate much of what we've been told, because in Indeed, if that is not 100% true, then basically you can assume that we've never been told any story in 100% truth. And sadly, that is, of course, increasingly what a lot of people believe. And that's why they're trying to get awareness of this out there. But equally, that's why, you know, there's a clear campaign to try to shut these conversations down. And I can't speak for America here, but over here at the moment, we've just had a, a new government in England. And at the moment, a lot of their new policies are very oppressive, quite totalitarian. They want to scrap human rights. They want to take away the freedom to discuss certain issues when you look at the small print of what they're doing. Uh, And I fear that this is something we will see more of in the next few years. So we need to use the tools available to us to make sure people are so aware of what really is going on that you cannot hide it anymore.
0: So, what do you in, in your book? Uh, I'm I'm going to rattle off some of the things you have uh, as subjects. You have got 9/11, the moon landings, the New World Order, UFOs, crop circles, pyramids, religious apparitions, um, just just some of them. What do you think would be some of the biggest surprises um, in in your book? You know, is there new information in the book that we might not have known before?
1: Well, I mean, yes, of course, there's always going to be stuff in there that's going to be new to some people. Uh, but what's, you know, come back to me from the book, which has been available here uh, in Europe for uh, a couple of years now, but this is a brand-new version in the States. But what's come back to me is that it's it's managed to sort of pull the threads together, which is what I hoped, because you often hear about all of these things separately, but it's putting them together into a big picture. And, I mean, one of the beliefs that is out there is that the control agenda, the surveillance agenda is being stepped up because there is a belief in, in, you know, power circles that change is about to come. There's many prophecies for these times, and I'm sure you would have been aware of. Uh, In 2012, there were some people that believed the world might end because of ancient prophecies of the Maya. Mm -hmm. Uh, And although I think there was a misreading of it, I think there is a truth that there is a cycle of time of 5,125 years, which is recorded right around the world by many ancient cultures. And in fact, what many of the prophecies said was that when the time cycle ended and began again, as it did in December 2012, that it would not be the end, it would be the beginning of a new world, that it would herald the time of huge shift and change and upheaval and transformation. And what's interesting is when you look at the world events that have occurred since 2012, it does really look like there's been a major acceleration. And I think there is something to the prophecies. Now, whether this is to do with wider solar cycles or some other cosmic influence, whatever it is, you can bet your life that the, you know, the people who run the world, and let's face it, many of them have very esoteric beliefs, They belong to secret societies like the Bohemian Club, and they dress in strange robes and have occult ceremonies. Uh, They're going to be more aware than the average person that these prophecies could be true. And maybe they fear that something might come along and upset their world order and that they're trying to instill more control now more than ever in case something does change which might disempower them so this is something that i discuss in the book and it's therefore you know it behoves me to give solutions so the the whole last part of the book is looking at how collective consciousness is a real thing there's a lot of excellent research out there showing that when we shift our minds the world shifts around us And especially if you then match that with positive action, we can do something about this. We are not powerless. And in fact, the fact that the authorities have to try to control us as closely as they do is a sign that they recognize how powerful we collectively are. And the irony is that many of us don't realize that. So they recognize how powerful we are. If we all stood up tomorrow and said enough is enough, their plans would end and it's getting the realization of that out there that is going to make the difference and the truth agenda and to some extent my my other book conspiracies uh, the facts the theories and the evidence it's trying to give people that information to show them that they can make a difference and we really can
0: yeah yeah and i believe that and you know we talk about that idea here on the show a lot because you know we uh you know and in a way this this collective consciousness this interconnection we sort of label that uh in some circles you know the you know sort of part of the liberation theology of the sacred feminine kind of a thing you know instead of this oppressive patriarchal order you have this uh, you know more liberated transparent you know uh you know sacred feminine to sort of counter or temper um, you know what we've all been experiencing and what seems to be um what seems to be escalating uh, i am curious about the crop circles though um what what has been sort of the latest scoop on the crop circles um you know what, what can you tell listeners um about that
1: i mean for anybody that's not aware of the issues around crop circles I mean these are shapes which have been appearing in the fields around the world but for some reason more in england than many other countries uh for many years i mean and when i say that i mean centuries more and more archive reports are being found clearly showing crop circles have been going on for a very long time uh but then you know in the sort of mid-20th century onwards they start to become more elaborate they start to become more complex And there is every reason to believe that they are not all man-made, because, of course, the, the media, especially over here, has said it's all a joke, there's nothing to be concerned about, you can all go back to sleep. But you look at the evidence, And the evidence says that some of these things cannot be explained by the idea that people are just making them. And many of the very complex geometrical shapes are deeply inspirational. They've raised many people out of an old way of thinking into for some reasons of deepening their consciousness by following the questions as to how did that pattern get there, you start to then get into other deeper questions about the world around you and trying to understand it. And I think the crop circles, in fact, wherever they really come from, have served that purpose for a lot of people. And I've met many people over the years who, like me, just started off with a basic interest in why these incredible shapes appearing And they've got drawn in to researching everything from, you know, science to physics to metaphysics to psychics to politics, purely because of that pull of these shapes. And we have Mm -hmm. biological anomalies occurring in some of the plants. We've got eyewitnesses, people who've watched these things occur within seconds in front of their eyes. And, you know, incredible geometry, very mathematically precise and sophisticated. And after a while, you realize that, you know, this is something you cannot just dismiss. And, I mean, in terms of what is the big scoop on it, I suppose, in a way, the scoop is that it's still going on. A lot of people think that it all finished some years ago purely because the media doesn't report it very much now, if at all. But that's actually not true. And, I mean, the last couple of years we've had, you know, almost as many crop circles as we've had over the last few years before that. But, again, you have to go and look at the evidence for yourself. And, uh, yes, it is there on the Internet, but you are not going to read about it uh, in any mainstream source. Or if you do, they debunk. You know, they always belittle it and they try to say that it's just a joke. And yet the evidence really does say that you cannot explain all of it like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I think you're right. You know, it probably gets uh, humanity maybe vibrating on a higher level, you know, Uh, maybe encourages us to start firing on more cylinders, uh, if you will, and not just, uh, you know, not continue to be these... Uh, complacent doormats um, uh, you know it it it's uh, you know religion, for instance, I mean you know they've said you know religion is the opiate of the masses, I mean the powers that be would like nothing better if we were complacent, ignorant doormats, and you know we didn't question anything we didn't delve deeper, you know if the, the mysteries of life. Uh, didn't pique our curiosity if if we couldn't see because I think it gives us hope, doesn't it? Um, you know, it gives us hope that that um, that there is more to life maybe than some of our um, I don't want to say our miserable existence, but some people do live you know very challenging lives and uh, you know maybe they see no hope. Uh you know, to get out, or I mean some people don't even have clean water for heaven's sake, and um, I don't know, you see stuff like this, and it it maybe just makes you feel that um i, I don't know that there's something bigger out there um that there that there's reason to be hopeful that that this world does offer beauty and mystery and uh you know, we we can sort of escape from the everyday humdrum, mundane world, and um, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I I I feel like I'm rambling like an idiot, but um, maybe you know what I'm trying to say.
1: Uh- I do, and I think that's a very important point. I mean, in the truth agenda, that's why I pull together a lot of mysteries and paranormal things, as people will describe them, because they do offer hope. It seems to show to people there is more going on than we are told about. And with something like a crop circle, I mean, it's very beautiful. If nothing else, they're going to inspire you just by the sheer power and beauty of those symbols. But, you know, other phenomena... Like UFOs. I mean, many, many people see things that you cannot explain conventionally. And I mean, in all my years of lecturing, I have met so many pilots and military personnel and people very high up the ladder who've told me one-to-one, Incredible things they 've seen that cannot have a conventional explanation, and yet, yeah. yeah, only today here in England, there was a radio program on uh and they had a man who's quite well known as being a skeptic, just basically saying, anybody who believes in things like that is mentally ill, there's no evidence, yeah. and you know trying to shut people down, and yet the outrage of that is the evidence is so overwhelming, and I mean yeah. it's also overwhelming that knowledge of these things is kept from us and i mean with ufos as i demonstrate in the truth agenda you can absolutely prove there are cover-ups and that the authorities are not telling us what they know about them. Whatever the truth of the story is, to say that it's not happening and that there is nothing odd flying around is just untrue. But it is liberating to know that there are things like this out there which do challenge our everyday perception and seem to have perhaps more power than the authorities that are trying to keep us from them. That is encouraging, and it does show that yeah, there's there's things in this world we can get excited about.
0: Well, in the UFOs, you know, you're making me think about them a little bit more seriously. I mean, I look, I would not be surprised if one landed on the white house lawn one day you know really um but i think about like some of the more recent ones like the phoenix lights that were out here i don't know if you heard about that but i mean thousands and thousands of people saw the phoenix lights and you know and and of course the military gave ridiculous example uh, uh, explanations that were just insults to anybody's intelligence and um it, it, but i think going back to the ufo's i think when we were saying you know what sort of encouraged people to start doubting and i think maybe the ufo's were really significant because so many people had so many stories um you know and and i think once you start to doubt then i don't know maybe you kind of stay a doubter um you know it, it it's like sort of like you know fool me once shame on me um i mean fool me once shame on how does that go fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me um you know this idea that um you know it, it, you know it, it just that um it, if something as big as ufos could be kept from us than, I mean, what, the chemtrails, you know, was Jesus really married? Um, I mean, there's just so many things that um, just beg an explanation, you know, just beg, uh, you know, the truth. And because, I mean, but but I guess the problem is the power structures have so much to lose if we suddenly, um, you know, dissolved their stories if we suddenly it or or, you know like you've heard the sayings you know well if you know people found out there were really ufos you know religious institutions would crumble the stock market would uh you know it would tumble you know they think there would just be worldwide panic i don't know i don't think so do you
1: well, I think that that's something which is said to shut down the conversation. Yeah, I mean, you sometimes hear that, Or oh, would the world be ready? But I think if these things were presented to us sensibly and we were given the full facts, I think people would pretty soon make up their own minds. And actually, I don't think it would crumble the world's religions. I mean, it might change them slightly, but I think they'd probably very quickly adapt because religion does seem to be quite good at doing that. And they'd find a, a, a way to see it in their own terms. But certainly, I mean, we know for a fact that there are strange things flying around. I mean, one gentleman that I met some years back was Colonel Robert Salas. And he was uh, in the U.S. Air Force. Now, he claims to have been one of those present at the Malmstrong Air Force Base in uh, 1967 when uh, a UFO, an object, came in, hovered over the base, and all of the nuclear weapons went offline. And they were shut down, and I think it took around three days to activate them again. Now, this is something that's been reported at other nuclear bases.
0: Now, that raises
1: big questions, because it means we have some kind of force, some kind of power, wherever these objects come from, which can actually shut down our nuclear arsenal. Now, on one level, that's frightening. On the other level, that's kind of encouraging, really. So it may well be there are forces out there that the authorities know actually have something over them. And, you know, maybe one of these days, uh, whatever really is going on is going to reveal itself. But, of course, as ever, knowing what's what, knowing whether a UFO is real or not, if alien beings did announce themselves, would we know if they were real would it be a government plot again? There's still going to be the need for discernment. People would have to sort of really see how that felt to them. But absolutely, there is something going on there. And when you look at the amount of sightings, like you say, the Phoenix Lights—that's a good example. And then you got, you know, classics like Roswell, or over here we got the Rendlesham Forest incident, where you know clearly something very odd occurred, and yet some of the official stories. For instance, try to tell us that all people were seeing was a, a lighthouse in the distance. That's the kind of nonsense where you realize they're desperate to cover because you look yeah. at the details of what people reported, and that's not the truth, whatever really did happen. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's just another phenomenon that we know there is more to than we are being told.
0: So what's your best advice, Andy, uh for listeners when they're, you know, confronted with some sort of um um, you know, horrible big event or uh or even some of the past ones, you know, if they're still wrestling with um, you know, some of the things that we've talked about or some of the things we even had, haven't had a chance to talk about that's that's in your book. You know, what's your best advice to people to um to handle it and how to react.
1: Well, you know, as I mentioned, one of the things that I found is that actually it doesn't take long for the everyday average person to realise that they've not been told the truth. And often you sort of felt it in the pit of your stomach anyway, even before you read it in a book. And that's the thing, I think what people can do is to make sure that these kinds of subjects are aired that they are talked about and that you don't fear ridicule i think the fear of ridicule of somebody at work or in the family uh making fun of you for having these beliefs that puts people off sharing them but what i found in my own experience is that actually if you say this is why i believe this here's the evidence Actually, that ridicule ridicule normally stops very quickly because people are trained to laugh, but actually it doesn't last long when you can present evidence because most people that try to shut these kind of conversations down have never seen the evidence. They're just parroting what they're trained to do. We need to break out of that and don't fear ridicule be discerning as well, make sure you've got some evidence for whatever you're talking about, and make sure that you've got something where you can show people where they can go to read that evidence, and I mean that's why I wrote The Truth Agenda, which is that in one book, you know, you can find a lot of evidence, you can find a lot of this stuff, and then there's a lot of links at the back, and other references which can tell you where to go to find even deeper material, so it, well, you it's know- Telling people that there is another side and giving them sources that they can go to. This is what's important.
0: Yeah, and I, I think sometimes it's hard to discern um, on the internet what's a good source and what isn't a good source. I mean, for instance, one of my friends is freaked out over chemtrails. You know, she's sure it's some sort of weather manipulation or something And but, you know, if you're not a scientist, sometimes it's hard to Read the material and be able to separate truth from fiction, if you know what I mean, you know um you know some of these things uh you know, like the engineer for instance, who was talking about nine eleven you know if if everything i mean take away all the you know the other external facts that you don't need to be an expert to figure it out, but some of these things um you know when it comes to you know scientific. Understanding, it's it's hard to you know you can pull the wool over the eyes of the average person who isn't an expert in it.
1: Well, I mean, one thing that I recommend in the book is it's always worth reading all sources. So you look at a conspiracy website or a mysterious website and you read what they have to say, then you see, is there another source that you can find? And if you can trace it back to proper original sources and then look elsewhere to find cross-referencing, that is usually a good sign. Then it's always worth, I think, then looking at the skeptic view, hearing what they've got to say, are they presenting any more evidence, and then trying to find something That's in the middle and after a while it it usually becomes clear when there is something worth investigating and if you can find certainly you know a large number of people investigating it and if they have qualifications in some areas too it is more likely then that they are going to be given that is genuine so yes yeah, so, you know it is a task you have to use discernment and sometimes you can't always know like chemtrails, is a good example we know for a fact certain experiments have taken place with seeding things into the atmosphere does that mean it's going on as much as some people think it is now that's a question that is hotly debated but certainly you will find there is a gray area there it's certainly the case there is something going on, but whether it's going on to the same degree that others think it is, well, you can only discern that by looking, I think, at all the cross-referencing. And if you're only seeing conspiracy sources and you can't find one on the outside of that, then it needs more investigation and we need more and more people to start who have got the qualifications to look at things like that and then we'll get a clearer idea. It is a long process, but just making the start is the key. Just getting that conversation going, That is the important thing. And being able to show people resources of where this information can be easily found. And then you'll find often people will make that journey for themselves. And, you know, Um, we've, we've got an opportunity to do that, and we should, of course.
0: I'm wondering about HARP. Um, is that something that might be in your book? This idea that there's, I think, some sort of base in Alaska. I think they call it HARP, where they're, where they can actually control the weather. I mean, uh, I, I think they even uh, said that the earthquake in Haiti was supposed to be man-made and uh, by HARP. It's supposed to be a, a weapon for the military to be able to. Um, wreak havoc in a country you know to you know maybe put the enemy uh, off balance with some natural disaster Um, is that one you you write about by any chance
1: Yes, Harp is discussed in the book. I mean, the actual original Harp project, now the authorities say it's offline now, but even if that's true, you can bet your life that that kind of technology is being researched elsewhere. It could, in theory, have the capability to create earthquakes and tsunamis. Now, again, whether it is, that comes down to having to build up evidence. Some people believe that. But, you know, without any question, the powers that be do have certain equipment and apparatus at their disposal where they certainly could do certain things. And given some of the things they have done throughout history, you have to be open-minded to the view that they might misuse this kind of technology. But again, you know, we should never despair. We should never be negative. It's in exposing these things and making sure people know about them that, of course, it would become much harder for anybody to use them against us without people noticing And that's why we need to spread this information as quickly as possible.
0: So, listen. Two, uh, two last quick questions, and then I'll let you go. Um, I was surprised to see on your list pyramids and religious apparitions. Um, when I think of pyramids, I don't usually think of a cover-up, unless it's that story about you know, Edgar Casey said they would find something under the paw of the Sphinx, and Zahi Hawass and you know all of his cronies said absolutely not. What's the cons- what's the cover-up about the pyramids?
1: Well, I mean, the pyramid is a very good example of something that we're told we understand. And archaeologists will tell you when they were built and who built them and why and how. And then you look at the actual evidence and no one knows. And the truth is that the origins of the pyramids are almost entirely unknown. How they were made, we're told they were made using gigantic ramps. Well, there's no evidence for that at all. And why yeah. they were made, as I'm sure you're aware, is up for much discussion. So you know, that's a good example of something you can use that we're told is explained then you look at the evidence and it isn't and that's why i include it and of course the mystical significance of the pyramid well that's still very big in the masonic world in secret societies it's still used as a power symbol today so you know pyramids are more important in our culture than one might imagine hence the dollar bill of course with the famous eye of Providence over the pyramid, it's still held to be something important in our culture, and it's used to denote power. but understanding what the real origins of the pyramids are then of course becomes more important,
0: yeah, and boy, well, and I'm thinking too about the sphinx i mean there's a geologist who said that the Sphinx is um water eroded uh which would mean that civilization was a lot older than we think um you know when you think about Atlantis Lemuria um i mean how much evidence there might be out there uh, that would have to reshape um what we know about the origins of of humans on the planet you know and, uh, and 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 i mean we know how hard it is to get academia to shift gears and consider new information if it upsets the apple cart you know of understanding <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, well, in the re- with the religious apparitions, or are you thinking about like Our Lady of Lourdes, uh, those sorts of things, or what? What religious apparitions do you write about in the book?
1: Yes, I mean the apparitions are a fascinating phenomenon because if you can separate the religious element from them, you can see that with the evidence of uh, particularly that there's the Fatima apparitions in Portugal uh, in uh, 1917. I mean, thousands of people claimed they witnessed a light flying around the sky. And, of course, they saw this in religious terms. Uh, Many people, if you were to see that today, would report it as a UFO. And some people think that religious apparitions may have connotations with sightings of UFOs and other phenomena. Now that doesn't rule out some divine involvement, but certainly it it is a phenomenon which is worthy of attention in its own right. And again, it, it raises questions that there are big things which often can be witnessed by thousands Which we're then sort of told not to be interested in. So I include some of the tales of those because, you know, whichever way you look at it, whether you see it as paranormal or whether you see it as a spiritual experience. Something happened, and when you start to see how that connects with other phenomena, uh, it then becomes something I think that it 's important to have an awareness of I mean briefly, one of the interesting things about the the lights that people saw flying over them at Fatima was that when it came down very low over the heads of the crowd, all the water and it had been raining that day all fizzled into steam, suddenly, everything was dry very quickly the rain stopped. The puddles vanished, and that's something which people who claim that they've been near to UFOs have also reported, of water drying up very suddenly. So there might be more links here than we know, and certainly there's no question that something, an occurrence happen. So, again, it's good to put that in the bigger picture and link that with things like UFOs and crop circles and then looking at who it might be that wants to cover this up and keep this stuff from us. And then we begin to reach conclusions for ourselves that certainly we need to investigate the world around us more than we are.
0: Yeah, because, you know, you think about if we suddenly found out that there were... um, Uh, You know, if there were undeniable proof that there were more intelligent beings on the planet or off-world or, um, I don't know. I guess I just think that humanity would uh, cut the crap and we wouldn't have all of these wedge issues that sort of keep us distracted from uh, getting the world in order. Uh, i don't know i guess i just i just think that uh, suddenly um you know knowing something like that would uh make the humanities people uh, we you know we uh, would w- would help us come together um and um i, I don't know you know I, I think it was i mean i don't like ronald reagan but i think it was him who said something about uh that would be one way to stop war on the world uh if uh, we suddenly found out there were uh extraterrestrials or uh or aliens out there that because we would maybe have to band together uh, that 's of course assuming that you know they 're evil but um anyway well um Andy, I think it's great that you have all of this in one book it 's kind of a go to place. Uh, saves people an awful lot of research uh, because they can just go to your book and sort of get a lot of the definitive information uh, or guideposts to research this further uh, from one book instead of 50 books.
1: This is the hope and this is uh, certainly what many people seem to think has been achieved here, Uh, but it also gives many other references as well so it doesn't just leave you with uh, what's in the book, it also shows you where to go to get more information so yeah, certainly uh, if anybody wants a good source where all of this is in one book yeah, the Truth Agenda is going to be somewhere good to start so it's out there, it's in the States Uh, it's published by Adventures Unlimited uh, and you'll find it easily enough, and also through Amazon and places like that so yeah it's certainly a very good place to start And I mean, if you go on to my website, which is truthagenda.org, you'll find a lot of information about the book and about my work and some of my other books, too. And if anybody wants to look on YouTube, you'll find there's some presentations of mine there. Uh, If you were to Google a conspiracy history of the world, uh, you'll find there that there's a presentation I give about the history of the conspiracy theories. uh, And that's got a lot of views now. And that's a good starting point as well for helping people to understand, you know, where it is that all of this has come from and hopefully what we can do to help balance it.
0: So I'm just writing that down in case any of my listeners, uh, uh, so it's a conspiracy history of the world. Is that yes, to... if you look
1: that up on YouTube, uh, you'll find me there uh, giving a lecture, and uh, there's you know many other lectures of mine which you'll find which you can uh, watch. But if you go to the uh, the website truthagenda.org, you'll also find some of the links there, and uh, you know that's a good starting point for any of this, and you'll find out about the book and uh, and also the book conspiracies as well, which is also available in the states uh, through Watkins Publishing. Which again, you know, that's looking more at the hardcore conspiracy uh, agenda, you know, looking at that without the mysteries. But it's very important to do that Uh, and again show to people that. There are patterns throughout history where we again and again have been misled, and we've been discouraged from investigating certain things, but you can show categorically that there are things that do need investigating, and we need to spread our awareness of them. And if we all do that, a lot of stuff is going to improve, and it's going to happen a lot more quickly the more people who get on board and try and see the truth of what's going on and keep campaigning to keep the internet free and keep you know these conversations alive and well because that's very important in this time
0: well thank you Andy thank you for being so hopeful and optimistic uh because you know this sort of information sometimes you know people could go in the opposite direction but uh, quite honestly i think you're you know you're showing that uh uh you know the the that transparency i think breeds uh uh, hopefulness and uh, I think more power uh, for the people, because um, you know the more we learn, the more we discover uh, i I think uh, that puts power back into our hands and uh, and that way we're not uh, we 're not so easily duped. So um, so thank you. Thank you for your, your efforts and, uh, uh, and for your effort tonight, or this morning for you uh, for coming on the show with the Wee Hours of the Morning. Um, I've enjoyed speaking you, to you tonight, and um, best of luck with the book. And um, if anything comes up in the future that you think my listeners might like to uh, hear about, uh, please don't hesitate to pop me an email, and we'll have you back on the show.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and thank you for having me here. I've really appreciated that opportunity.
0: Okay. Good night. Bye-bye.
1: Good night. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that, dear listeners, as as much as I have. uh, You know, we're living in a strange and complicated world, but information is power, and we really have to think about it that way. We can't bury our heads in the sand. Um, We really have to know what's going on, and... uh, Uh, I don't think information is a thing to be feared. And, uh, you know, neither is ridicule for that matter. You know, I think about... When I first discovered the sacred feminine and I would talk to people uh, about goddess, uh, well, you know, there were people out there that just sort of joked, like, you know, oh, it's just a feminist fantasy. And, um, you know, now this is turning into a big phenomena. I mean, uh, think of the people across, um, you know, all different parts of life, all different stratas, that are now talking about the sacred feminine, the divine feminine as deity archetype uh, and ideal, you know, as a as a solution to some of the world's woes. Um, so don't, you know, don't be afraid of ridicule. You know, we talk here about finding your sacred roar um, and, uh, you know, that's part of what it means, you know, to be able to stand up for what you believe in and what you think is right. Um So, uh, a word from Joe Carson. Most people see
1: humankind as really
0: separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree is. And I came out of it. This is is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, uh, that was uh, Serena Roney Dougal, Ph.D. Uh, She is just one of the many voices in Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, Dancing with Gaia explores the connections between Earth energy. Sacred Sexuality, and the Goddess as Gaia. Uh, The film, Dancing with Gaia, features 15 visionaries who give us tools to feel the life of the planet within ourselves. The DVD comes with a 45-page mini-book and costs just $20. And you can get your own copy at dancingwithgaia.com. And, you know, it reminds me, uh, having spoken to um, our guest tonight, uh, he Uh, talks about crop circles in his books. Um, I had a Jungian um, psychologist on the show who's actually written a book about the crop circles being a manifestation of sacred feminine energy. Um, So, you know, it's it's really uh, fun and interesting to look into all of these different phenomena and say, well, what if, what if, what if? Because, you know, when we start to imagine what might be, you know, that's the first step to manifesting a new world. It really is. Um Also, I want to thank everyone who showed up uh, Saturday night uh, to the Joseph Campbell Roundtable at the Goddess Temple in Orange County. Our uh, speaker was Gianna Ciccelli, and uh, she filled the room uh, with her wonderful talk uh, about the sociology of religion versus uh, magic and witchcraft. Uh, And uh, these Joseph Campbell Roundtables will be every other month at the Venice Library in Venice, and at the Goddess Temple uh, in Orange County. So the next ones will uh, be happening in July, and uh, I will be more than happy to keep you abreast of those. Um, also uh, coming up at the Goddess Temple on June 13th is going to be uh, something called uh, the Green Man Party. Uh, it is a, a celebration of uh, the the Temple Gentlemen. Um, the flyer says, uh, join us to celebrate the wonderful men, votaries, and members who have contributed so much to this goddess temple. Let us honor them with music, dancing, food, fun, libations, and speeches. Uh, it's a free event, and that is going to be Saturday, June 13th from 7 to 10, uh, obviously open to men and women. Uh, and the goddess temple is uh, just a wonderful Space uh, if you have not visited yet, uh, you really do need to uh, make a trip uh, and I want to thank those of you who um, have heard about it on the show and uh, have you know said hello to me if uh, if you saw me there uh, it's nice to know some of the things that uh, I talk about here and suggest uh, that that uh, some of you are actually uh, considering and doing and uh, and most important, uh, enjoying. Uh, also coming up in, in June, uh, because, shoot, that is uh, just right around the corner, I've been invited uh, to the Emerson Unitarian Universalist Church on Father's Day. Uh, that's June 21st. Um, and I'm going to be giving a talk uh, on uh, the summer solstice, which is uh, coincides with Father's Day. And my talk is on the salute to the sun goddesses. And I'm going to be talking a bit about... Uh, Uh, the Japanese sun goddess Amaterasu and the Egyptian sun goddess Sekhmet and talking about them as deity, archetype, and ideal and uh, why they are relevant uh, today. And then uh, on the 28th of June, which is the fourth Sunday of the month, uh, at the Goddess Temple I will be giving a talk, so two Sundays in a row there, the On the twenty eighth on the fourth Sunday at the Goddess temple, I'm going to be giving a talk about reawakening our earliest sacred stories about how it is so important that we look at our goddess stories and interpret the myths because so often they actually give us um guideposts uh by which to uh to live, and you know gives us um inspiration and information that we can use to do things like reconcile our spirituality and our politics. Um, Also, we have those goddess conferences coming up, uh, the one in the middle of July uh, in Nashville. Uh, If you want to know more about that, go to divaoflightnetwork.com, com. And uh, don't forget, uh, a little further down uh, the calendar, uh, September 10th through 13th is the Goddess Spirit Rising uh, uh, Conference in Simi Valley, which is um, uh, just north of Los Angeles, and the Goddess Spirit Rising International Goddess Conference. Uh, The theme this year is Earth Mother Wisdom, the Power of Devotion. And uh, there's going to be more than 40 international presenters um, offering workshops, concerts, rituals. There's going to be vendors and healers and uh, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, yes, I will be um, presenting on a panel as, uh, as well as uh, giving a talk of my own for, for that as well. So... Um, I guess that about does it for tonight, dear listeners. I want to thank you so very much for tuning in. I know you have lots of other choices, and um, I think I will close the conversation tonight by saying, uh, as I always do, uh, I feel like I'm PBS here, but it is important, um, and I hope you hear me, that uh, I really appreciate it when you um, send in uh, show ideas. Uh, I really can use your help when it comes to paying for airtime. I hope you will take a look at my books on my website at KarenTate.com. And when you're there at KarenTate.com on the Goddess Store page, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, the very last button, uh, PayPal button will allow you to make a donation of any amount. Uh, It can be $5.00. And you know what? $5 is nothing to be ashamed of uh, to donate because uh, if a number of you uh, donate just $5 a month, you know what? That helps me pay to keep Voices of the Sacred Feminine on the air. So um, as we um, almost uh, are here in uh, into summer solstice and the time of the sun in June, uh, I think I will go out with a little snippet from Laura Kane called In the Sun. Good night, dear listeners, and uh, please come back next week uh, where we'll have another great show for you. I picture you in the sun, wondering what went wrong
1: Falling down on your knees, asking for sympathy Being caught in
0: between all you wish for and all you've seen, trying to find anything that you.